We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Hallelujah. There truly is no one, no thing. Nothing exists like God because it's only in Him that all things even exist. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. Please be seated. Thank you, Lord. There is such a sweet spirit in this place today. I think a lot of us are just happy that we can see someone else's face. I know I can tell you, Jan is happy that she saw you today because she's seen me all week long. You can only take so much of this. Listen, I, I get it. That's why I take a vacation every now and then so y'all can get over me and well, winter's past. Spring is the next two weeks, and then summer's here. That's Texas. I can truly say fear not. Fear not. Before I get started, I just want to say thank you. I know he's not going to like this, but it's okay. I'm the pastor, and I have the mic. And This past week, when all this was going down, I called and talked to Bruce Plemons, and he, he was willing to come up and check the church, and so he turned the water off, and he said, hey, Don, what do you think about draining the, the line? So, you know what, thank God there's, there's men of wisdom. You think draining water is a simple thing. You know what, what, it, what it did for us? It kept us from So, Bruce, I just want to say thank you. Give honor to whom honor is due. I, I know what you're going to do after service, but I'm, I'm a little faster than you. <laughs> I think I can outrun you. <laughs> oh, I've been healed. I think I can outrun you. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. I want to say while you're turning there to welcome to everyone that's here, visitors and returning. Listen, if you've been here more than two times, you're not a visitor anymore. You're part of us. And if this is your first time, welcome, because at the end of the service, you're no longer a visitor. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. God is leading us into a place this year. We, we, we've talked about the season that God's bringing us through, and God's leading us into places. And I feel the strong urgency that God's leading us into prayer, into prayer, strong emphasis into prayer. It's not that we don't pray, but the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's, there's something about prayer that goes along with word. Listen, <clears throat> prayer and word are powerful together. Have you ever prayed the word of God? Listen, let, let me invite you to do something if you're not. In your prayers, pray the word of God. He said, my words shall not return void. My goodness. When you pray the word, there, you're going to get something. Something's going to happen. Pray it. Pray. Second Thessalonians, I'm going to get started here. Verse 1, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord might have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be del delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Now, let me stop right here, because <laughs> some of you are going to stop right there. Uh, are we in the midst of some wicked and unreasonable people? Sure. 
And if after we get outside of this church, are we still in the midst of... <laughs> Sometimes I can be unreasonable. I, I understand. For all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. Man, we have com- I have confidence today in the Lord touching you before you leave this place. There's a confidence pastor has today that God's going to touch you before you leave this place. That you both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. In, in Paul's first letter, the first letter uh, to the Thessalonians, the church, the church in Thessalonica was a very young church, new Christians. And so the first letter Paul writes to them, he, he, he te- he's teaching them, but the emphasis is on the return of Jesus. You see, that's something we're missing in church today. We don't emphasize so much about the return of Jesus. Only we won't want to scare people. But that's something we ought to be talking about every day. Every day, when you talk to somebody, what I want to do, you know, Jason's really good about these little sayings. And so I want to add another saying in our conversation. And it's, what has God done for you this, this week? But I want, to, I want to emphasize that, you know what, in our conversation now, we're going to start saying, Jesus is coming soon. Man, oh, man, Jesus is coming soon. I, you know, they said that 2,000 years ago. Well, that put a damper on it, didn't it? Understand this. If he doesn't come for another 2,000 years, how you leave this place is what's going to happen and how it's going to be when Jesus returns. So Jesus is coming soon. We need to encourage one another and talk about the fact that Jesus is coming soon. You know, a lot of times, behold, I come quickly and we be soon and we, we put time on that. But those words are not time words. When it says quickly, when it says soon, Jesus' reference is it's going to be suddenly. When he returns, suddenly. Boom, bam, but it's over. It's done. As, blink your eye. Everybody blink your eye. That's how it's done. That's how quick it's going to be. So Paul's teaching in, in, second, in first uh, Thessalonians, and he's teaching about end times, the last days. And as he does this in this letter, you'll find that there's some confusion that comes in the church. Because they're, they're young Christians, they don't understand a lot, so Paul's writing them. And so he, he, he discusses the rapture of the saints. We, you know, we like that, that, that rapture of the saints part, that First Thessalonians chapter 4. We like to get in chapter, we, man, we love that. And so what he's doing is he's encouraging them new. Listen, Peter and Philip and Paul, all those guys in their day thought Jesus was coming in their day. Matter of fact, when Jesus told his disciples to go back to Jerusalem, they, they knew there was a power coming, but they really thought Jesus was coming back then. That's not a bad thing. You know, expect him to come back now. That's why prayer and word is so important. And we're, we'll get into that. Uh, so uh, he talks about the fast coming, and, and, and still there were young Christians, and it wasn't that the word wasn't being put out correctly. It's that there was a confusion because you have people from different aspects of life, from different religious backgrounds, from different upbringings that have heard different things all their life, and so now they become new Christians. They, these people, uh, the, the Thessalonian people didn't raise up godly. They, they didn't grow up godly. They weren't godly. They became godly afterwards. So understand something. It's just like, you know, I remember, now I grew up in, in, in a, if you would, godly home. 
I wasn't a godly person, but I grew up in a godly home. So I understood there were some things about God, godliness. I just didn't, you know, run that trail. But, yeah. So that's why Jason and I connect. But when God changed my life, when he found me, I didn't find God, he found me. Scripture tells us he finds us. We don't, but when he found me, man, he started instilling some things in me and, and really powering me, if you would, to understand he's coming. He's coming back. The whole reason he found me was so that when he comes back, I'll be ready. So Paul writes the second letter. He understands that in between the first and second letter, there's some things going on in the church in Thessalonica. And in and, and the meantime, Paul's in Corinth, and now Paul's run into some trouble. If you're a Christian, let me just surprise you with something. If you're a Christian, you're going to run into trouble. It's going to We're not of this world. You know, if, if, if I go into Walmart and I'm looking for an auto part, I'm going to run into some trouble. Is there auto parts in Walmart? Yeah, there, there is. But they don't carry carburetors and they don't carry spark plugs. They so I'm going to run into trouble. I have to understand something. That the world I live in, even though I'm living in it because who I'm living for, there's going to be trouble. But, but this is where Paul gets into, hey, pray for me, I'll pray for you. And that's the title of my message. Pray for me, I'll pray for you. So he, he begins this second letter and he discusses again the coming of the Lord. Hmm, this is constant. This, this is something that's with Paul all the time. Everywhere he goes, he talks about the Lord and his coming again. Maybe that's something he's trying to in, unveil to us, and maybe God's trying to re, unveil to us today. Maybe we need to be talking about the coming of the Lord. You know, everybody in America knows that Jesus is coming. So we think. We're, we're a Christian nation, and as the church, we understand that. But what Paul is saying, listen, I want to encourage you. You know it. I've told you. I've taught you. You know it. But there's people that don't. And so that's where he's taking them here in this second letter. So he begins to write. And, and the thing about that's constant in Paul's writing is Paul will always, always, always give an explanation. And then he will always, always have an exhortation. When he writes, he always does that. He gives an explanation. He doesn't leave it. He, he explains what's happening, but then he gives an exhortation about why. His letter begins with the realities, and it ends with the responsibilities. Understand that about Paul's writings. When you're studying Paul's writings, he always begins with realities. He's not blowing smoke. This is what's going on. But then he gives the responsibility as to why you heard what you just heard. You all understand today when you leave here, you're going to be responsible for what I told you, right? Okay. If you're not listening, you need to listen. Because whether you listened and heard it or not, you're going to be responsible for it. That's, that's just how I'm responsible to tell you. So I'm going to tell you everything I think God's told me, where God's directed me. I don't want to leave anything out. That doesn't mean it's a three-hour message, by the way. Don't, don't. In between those two letters, again, you find the, the difficulties that Paul's facing in, in Corinth. And at the same time, this new group of Christians in Thessalonica are having difficulties. Paul makes this very powerful request. He said, you pray for me, I'll pray for you. Now, we don't realize how powerful. You ever tell somebody to pray for you? Pray for me, brother. Do we understand how powerful that really is? Because what is prayer? It's a conversation with God. So what if I were, instead of asking you to pray for me, I'm going to ask you to do this. Have a conversation with God for me. I'll have a conversation with God for you. Now it takes on a little bit different meaning. 
The conversation I've got is not only going to tie prayer, it's going to tie word. Not only am I going to have a conversation with God about you, I'm going to have a conversation with God about you and His Word with you. Let's keep going. So let's read chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. Just back up. If, but you understand that the original manuscripts weren't in chapters and verses, but this is the easiest way for me to tell you. But back up to verses 16 and 17, chapter 2. Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, who hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts. This is a prayer. This is a prayer. He's just not making a statement. This is a prayer Paul is having for these people. Because look what it does. Comfort, that, 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 that This God, this everlasting, that He comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And then he says, finally, pray for us. That, so we're out ministering, pray for us. I just prayed a prayer for you, so pray for us. So there's, there's a power that begins to generate. There's this dynamic power when Christians pray for one another. Now, I'm not saying, you know, as pastor, I can just tell you this. I, I don't have a church directory. I, I keep your numbers in my phone the best I can. But I don't have a church directly because I don't want to go down the directory and pray and start with the A's and end with the Z's. God put, bless, God bless, God bless. You know what? I want to pray God's word. And I don't need a directory. I want to, I want to, do you understand what I'm saying? That it's got to be more than just mentioning a name and saying God bless. You know, if, if you have a business, God, uh, your, your word says that you bless us and multiply us and we're fruitful if we obey and, and are obedience to your scripture and we walk with you. And so uh, this person has a business. God, bless them in their business. Bless, let them provide for their family. Let them, let them be a, a goodness to the community and all those things. Prayer is more than five minutes and up and go. I remember having one hour, when we asked for a one-hour prayer meeting, you should, see, you should see some of your faces. Have you ever prayed a solid hour? You ever prayed a solid hour? Listen, if you just pray for Pastor Don, you're going to pray for a solid hour. <laughs> Pastor Don needs it. If, if I just spend time praying for each one of you, not, not my needs, not anything going on in the world, not for the government, not for the, all, all the missionaries. If I just spent time praying for every one of you, and I, all during the day I try to spend time praying, you know, it takes a lot more than, not, that's not bad about you. I'm not saying that you're all so sinful and horrible that i got to spend all this time. What I'm saying is I want to pray God's Word into your life. And it takes way more than an hour to do that. So when I'm driving to work, man, I've got that hour drive. Like I have here, I drive to work. And during that hour, I'm, you know, God will bring you to my mind. Oh, God, you know what? This situation, I don't know that situation, God, but you brought that person to my mind. And so, God, I'm just praying that your word, your strength, your power. And so, listen, there's a power when we begin to pray for one another. There's, there's a dynamic that we've yet to reach. So chapter 2 ends with Paul's prayer, and, and then it begins with, you know, pray for us. The, the Thessalonians were, were brand new, and and, but Paul didn't think because they were brand new, they couldn't pray. Brand new Christians, but what did this powerful man of God say? You brand new Christians, pray for us. We need it. So a lot of times we think, well, I'll ask brother so-and-so to pray because, man, he's, he's a prayer warrior. And he's, he's been really, <clears throat> some of the best people that will ever pray for you are born, brand new born-again Christians. Because they don't know any better than to seg segregate things in life. All they know is pray for you. They don't know how to segregate this and what about your this and that. They just know, man, I need to pray for you. That's this. Some of the best prayer you'll ever have is from somebody that's a brand new Christian. And that's what Paul knew. He knew, man, there's, there's going to be some power in this prayer. Pray for us. 
This is the irony of prayer. When you pray for one another, there's an irony in it. The load you carry is often lifted when you take the burden of others. A lot of times we don't pray because we're under such a burden. You know what? Take up the another, take another burden. Take pray for someone else and watch God lift that. Look, Job forty two and two. We love Job, right? Well, if we want to really power pack the thing, we talk about Job. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Oh, well, God said he would go this. No, you know what? You know when when Job lost it all, but it wasn't restored to him till when. When he prayed for his friends, then the Lord restored him. Boy, do y'all get that? Whew, if you need some restoration in your life, pray for somebody. If you need something restored to you, pray for somebody. Has the enemy taken something from you and you want it back and restored? Pray for somebody. Oftentimes our prayers are this, Lord, it's me again, and this is what I need, and thank you for giving it to me, and Lord, thank you for hearing me, and Lord, I'll see you later. Now, I know you don't pray that way, but, but there are prayers that are offered in that dynamic. Well, you know, if you put yourself at the back, Jesus said, if you'll put yourself at the back, I'll pull you to the front. If you want to be the greatest, be the least in my kingdom. You'll become the greatest. That's just one of those promises that we haven't read in now two and a half years. So some of you don't understand that, but just think about it a second. God intervened when Job prayed for his friends. Let me read verse 1 again. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. Notice what he asked in the prayer. When you pray for me, pray for us. I've got two brethren with me, and we're out in the Corinth, and we're dealing with these issues. Pray for us that we would be delivered from all these issues. Pray for us that we would be delivered from the... No. Pray for us that the word of the Lord might have free course. Man, when you pray for God's word to have free course, guess what happens to everything else? When God's Word has free course in your life, the power that goes into what's going on in your life begins to change. Paul's request wasn't for them. It was for the Word. He wanted the Word to progress and go forward. He affirms this prime directive. Y'all, prime directive? I'm not talking about movies. But there's a movie that has, they have a prime directive. There's a prime directive in Christianity, and that's to spread the Word. You don't believe it? Go back to Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, all the way through. Their prime directive was to spread the word. And Paul's prayer here was that it spreads and has free course. It's the We're not. <clears throat> too much Christianity today is, is, is uh, the Christian work that we have in Christianity is accomplished by our plans and our promotions, not by God's word. I know that we're going to get an amen, but let me explain that. We have 10-step programs that help you manage your issue, your problem. We have 10-step programs that helps you. This is Christianity. I'm not talking about all those guys outside. In Christianity, we have books about 10 steps, 12 steps, 15 steps, these steps, that step, this promotion, that, and this is how you're going to manage your issue. When Jesus said, I'll just deliver you from it. Thank God that when I got in the church, there wasn't a 12-step program on how to not steal vehicles anymore. Because I might have gone a couple of years not being able to manage that and been 
put in prison. Thank God that there wasn't a 12-step program to stop me from doing drugs because it may have taken me five or six years to work that. Thank God that His deliverance into my life brought total and complete deliverance. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't have to worry. I've been delivered from that. Here's the funny thing about Christian books. We have 12-step programs for alcoholism, and we have 12-step programs for all this, this stuff. But do you find any 12-step programs on how to get rid of devils? Or any books with 12-step program that you've got a devil, this is how you can get rid of it in your life? No. You know why? There's only one way to get rid of a devil, and it can never come through. A step program. Now, first of all, some of you, listen, if you've gone through 12-step programs, fantastic. That's great. You've learned to manage. What I'm telling you is you need to be delivered. You need to be delivered. Two weeks ago, there was a spirit in this place. Two weeks ago, there was a spirit of oppression. There was a spirit, and if you, don't, if you weren't here two weeks ago, you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But it, it, it oppressed us in, in our morning prayer. It oppressed us in our worship. It oppressed us in our preaching. I fought and fought and fought through my preaching. Well, Pastor, why didn't you do something? We as the church have to recognize that our war is not flesh and blood. That it's, that it's principalities and powers. It's these things in darkness. We can't see it. It's dark places. They're like, you know, devils like hiding in dark places. That's why the devil, you know, you understand the devils don't wear red horns. And, you know, that, that, everybody sees what's going on. They know who it is. They're very, they just, devil disguises. And he hides in the dark places. And that's where our fight is. And if we have the old, if we put on the armor of God, then God does the battle for us. But we've got to understand there's no step program. We've got, we've, got we've got to start believing that prayer and word is going to bring deliverance. There, there's, there, there was, well, I'm going to skip that. Prayer and word in Scripture are fitly joined together. Prayer and word in the Bible are fitly joined together. They go together. It's like if you have a cross or a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. There are pieces. You ever tried putting that piece in there? You know it fits, but it doesn't. I got this, yeah, you know, I remember as a kid, this is going to fit, and I tore the end of that little thing off, little chair, tore it off. It fits now. Now there's a hole in it, though, because it didn't really fit. Prayer and word fit together. That For a church to be alive and succeed, we have to be prayer warriors, and we have to be word warriors. If we're not prayer warriors, we're not word warriors, we're not going to be successful as the church. And God intends for you to be a prayer warrior. He intends for you to be a word warrior. The, the, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Word of God is our weapon. But it's not the weapon to... Too many of us are fighting that guy over there and this woman over here and that person at work and this, you know, my outlaws and my in-laws and my uncles and my aunts. And that fight is the wrong fight. It's all in the spirit realm. And that's why we take the word when you speak word. So if that devil shows up again and comes in to oppress us, what are we going to do? Y'all thought I forgot about that, didn't you? I'm not letting that go. Because the devil wants to interrupt what's going on here. You understand what God's been doing and moving in the last few weeks and months and years. What God, and the devil wants to interrupt it. What does he do? He comes in. Now some of you I can tell are thinking, who was here then? Who, who was here that brought that devil here? Could have been you. Hopefully not. But listen, it was very obvious. And what we need to understand is when the devil shows up, we show up. And we don't say, listen, devil, step one and step two, 
Step three. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, you know, in the name of Jesus, who we have authority in his name. Have you have you been baptized? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? Because that name is what the, the authority you have, and the power comes through the Spirit. I have the authority of his name because his name has been imprinted upon me now. And so I can speak to a devil. Listen, the word, the name of Jesus is so powerful. Even if you don't know Jesus, it works. Ask the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts. They saw Paul casting out devils, and the boy, the, those seven brothers ran up, and they knew this guy was devil-possessed. You know, this guy, guys run together. You know, you, yeah, he's devil-possessed. Yeah, I know that. Well, these guys didn't figure out, you know, we're next. They said, in, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, come out. And the devil said, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And just ransacked them. The name of Jesus is powerful. Listen, when the devil shows up here, and trust me, he'll show up again. When the devil shows up here, word. Who, in the beginning was the? The word was with God and the word was? Okay. So when you speak the name of Jesus, you're speaking word. Speak word to it. Let me move on. Let me move on. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. See, God's word's not dead and idle and passive. It's too much passive Christianity. Now, let me stop. I'm not for taking the word out and cutting everybody's head off with it. That's not the intent of the word. The intent of the word is spiritual. But, but too many Christians have taken God's word and they start cutting people's head off with it and telling them what they're not doing and what they're doing wrong and what well, they're not right here and you're half right there. Then that's not the intent of the word. But the word is not dead. It's not idle and it's not passive. Jesus was not a passive person. He was a very personal man, but he was in no way passive. You can't hang on a cross and be passive. The Word of God is alive, the Word of God is active, and the Word of God is always on the move. Well, sometimes, you know, we don't feel it. If, if the Word of God is not active, alive, and on the move in your church, it's not the Word's fault. If the Word of God is not active, alive, and moving in your life, it's not the Word's fault. We have to take that Word, and we have to get active with it. And we, when, when, you know, man, when we pray Word, we pray Word, it is extremely powerful. Let me show you something what Paul said, though. He says to pray that the Word will get in. That the Word will get in. You understand that getting the Word out is not exactly getting the Word in. When you pray, God, help us to get the Word out. Not only that, because here's the deal. You can reach a person's ears and never reach their heart. And so our prayer needs to be, God, let, let our words, the Word of God, reach people's ears, but let your Word then reach into their heart. We can't reach into their heart, God. You can. But we can reach into their ears. And so that's what Paul was saying here. God, our prayer is that you pray for us this. Now, church, pray for this. That the words we speak go into their ears, and then those words go into their heart. Our prayer today is for that Word to get out of the walls and get into lives. Psalm 138 and 2. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. The power that's in the name, the power that's in the word. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I have great parents. Uh, 
Christian people. But the, the thing that later on I really began to understand was when my dad would pray at our meal, he would say, in Christ's name we pray. And so when we would pray at church, in the church I went to, in Christ's name we pray. And so whenever it was always in Christ's name. What is Christ's name? Why don't we say Jesus instead of saying Christ's name? You know, you don't, you know why we didn't say that in the church I was from? There was too much power in that name. You know why we said Holy Spirit instead of Holy Ghost? Did some of you go get upset? But you know why we said Holy Spirit instead of cause? I love it because he sits up front. Because there's no difference between the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost, but there's a, there is a connotation to it. Holy Spirit makes us feel warm and nice. But Holy Ghost means some powers involved. And the reason, because we didn't like the power of the name or the power of, so we, we kind of toned it down, you know. After all, we weren't those people that, our church wasn't the ones that raised their hands and, you know. Because listen, there's, there's power in the name of Jesus. And by the way, which Christ's name are you praying in? Antichrist's name? Christ is not exclusive to Jesus. The word Christ is a title. It's not a name. It's not exclusive to Jesus. There's, Jesus said many Christ in his day. Many Christ come. Jesus made the statement. Not, that's not Pastor Don. Many Christ. You understand that's a title. That there's a name that's power. That's why the, <laughs> Matthew 28 and 18 baptized him in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Jesus wasn't given a formula. Nowhere in the scripture was that formula ever used. Every time somebody was baptized in water, going down, baptism, buried, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because the name of the Father is the name of the Son. Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. Boy, somehow, whoo, I knew the devil was going to show up here. Boy, I can feel him. That's all right, because I'm just going to speak it. I'm just going to keep speaking that name. Listen, this is just word, folks. You don't get mad at me. Get mad at God and talk to him about it. He'll straighten you out. I, I can't straighten you out, but he will. Understand something. There's a power that we pray. When we pray, when we pray all things we pray in, Jesus said, How, what do we pray all things in? What do we ask all things in? In his name. Why is that? There's a power in that. That's why in the power of prayer when you're praying, pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus' name. Somebody made me get off. Who was that? Somebody just made me get off the. Paul says in verse 3 that God's faithful. God's faithful. God's faithful. Do you know what faithful means? Faithful means there is no other but you. When it says God's faithful to you, God's faithful to the church, that means that he is faithful to no other than you. God created this planet, and He loves this planet. He created it the way it is, but His faithfulness is not to this planet. Now, I'm going to make some of you tree huggers mad. His faithfulness is not to the trees. I'm going to make some of you animal rights activists. His faithfulness is not to your cat or dog. I'm going to make some of you that love clothes. His faithfulness is not, and nice car. His faithfulness is not to your pickup truck. His faithfulness is to you because of who you are in Him. He's faithful. That means he's never failing in his faith. He never fails in his faith. God has faith? Absolutely. Where do you think it came from? Everything that exists in us comes from him. 
If there's love, don't, don't, don't think you're so lovey-dovey and love everybody. That doesn't come from you at all. None good but God, the Bible says. That we're not even past good yet. You can't even be good. Neither can I. There's none good but God. Anything good in our life comes from Him. He, he is using us and producing that. Same thing with all of these things. So understand that, that, that He is faithful. Listen, God's essence never changes. Who God is will never change. But man, you're serving a God that for the eons of eons of eons of eternity, He's never changed one iota. Never. That's why we pray and we pray His Word. Because He is His Word. There's so much about Him we don't even know. We know, we know what Scripture tells us about the relationship He wants to have with us. But outside of that, there's, there's things about God we have no clue because of who God is. But God's faithful in that all that He is. Did you see that where we had the landing on Mars? Wasn't that a great accomplishment? Yeah, NASA. Seven months. Been flying in space seven months and finally landed this week. It's the third rover on Mars. And it's going to drill in the ground to find out if there was ever life there. I could think of a better way to spend money than billion dollars, you know, being than that. Anyway, this, it's good that we're doing it. Don't, don't misunderstand. But understand this. God already knew that. There was no life there if there's no life. If there is life, God already knew that. For years, centuries, the earth was flat, and yet Scripture tells us about the sphere of the earth. If they'd have just read the Bible, they would knew, know that, God, that the earth's not flat, that it's round. The Word tells us everything we need to know. The question for you today, is there life on other planets? You want to know? Read the book. Read the book. It'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you. You, you. you read it. His essence never changes. Love never ceases. God's compassion never ends. His promises never fail. His wisdom never errs. And His purpose never falls short, and His strength never wanes. In verse 3, He says He'll establish us. When He says He'll establish us, that means He's going to confirm us. He's going to settle us. He's going to support us. Man, what you understand, this is a prayer going on here. This is a prayer we're studying this morning. It's Paul's prayer. He's, asked, he's prayed for them, and he's asked for this to happen Pray for me that this would happen. Remember that the battle, again, is not flesh and blood. It's, it's, not, it's those places. It's those, those high places that we can't see, the darkness. People aren't our problem. Let's quit fighting people. Now, I know some of you are like me. You didn't, you didn't care the way the election went. Sometimes I don't care the way our local election in Alvord goes. By the way, Alvord's a town of about 1,500. <laughs> about an hour from here. But I'm not fighting against them, and I'm not fighting against people in government, and I'm not fighting. You know, you'd like to fight the IRS, wouldn't you? It's a no-win situation. They hold all the cards. Why are you fighting them? You want, you, you want to get something done? Can I tell you a little secret? If you want to get something done in that arena of life, go to the Word and pray it. Go to the Word and pray it. And whatever the situation is with you in that arena of life, God to take care of it. God will handle it. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul issued commands for the saints to live by. If you read 1 Thessalonians, you find he gave commands. This is what you want to live by. Then in 2 Thessalonians, he's really giving them the uh, ups for obeying it. He said, listen, you guys, you did what I instructed you to do. 
Way to go. Why is that? Because God, because Paul gave them word. And he understood that because they were following word in their obedience that they were progressing. Verse 5. I'm about done. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Here we are, waiting for Jesus again. He keeps talking about it. Jesus is coming. They were facing a lot of challenges, but Paul didn't pray for their challenges and their circumstances. Instead, he prayed for their hearts. Let the Lord direct your heart. Why? The heart is the seat of who you really are. Your heart is the seat of who you really are. Proverbs 4 23. Keep your hearts with all diligence, not your minds, not your knowledge. Keep your hearts with all diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. Your spiritual disposition, I want you to get this your spiritual disposition is more important than your surrounding circumstances. And that's what's the prayer going on here. He said, Listen, I understand you're going through issues, so am I. But it's your spiritual disposition that's important here, not the circumstance you're going through. Because guess what? Both are going to change. Both are going to change. Listen, if your spiritual disposition doesn't change, your circumstance is going to change. If you're not growing spiritually, your circumstance is going to change. If you're not in the Word, your circumstance is going to change. The devil sees every opportunity to take you down when your spiritual disposition is not in growth, when it's not in movement, when it's not active, and it will change. Now, if your spiritual disposition is in movement, your circumstance is going to change. You're not going to be stuck in your circumstance. But because of your spiritual disposition, God will change your circumstance. So which would you rather be? I think I'd rather just be connected with God and let God take care of that circumstance and change it. I had a circumstance years and years ago, and uh, all doors led to a cell. That's the best way I can tell you. But when I allowed God to move into my life and I let Him change the inside of here, He changed the circumstance. And I never did have to see a cell or bars. Now, does that mean God let things happen? No, no, no. You still, listen, you reap what you sow, but you don't necessarily reap it the way you think you might sometimes. Did I still have to pay? Yet, Did God forgive that? But was there still some reaping from it? Absolutely. But understand this. It's the progression of your spiritual disposition and your growth that changes your circumstances that's important. That word direct here, by the way, in the Greek, it means to open a path. Open a path or to clear away the obstacles. <clears throat> well, we miss a lot in the English version because the Greek is, you know, not that you have to understand Greek and not that you have to speak it or anything like that. But the best thing you can ever do is buy yourself a strong, exhaustive concordance. It has the Chaldean and it has the Hebrew and it has the Greek. It'll change the way you understand Scripture. Not that you have to have it. You can be saved without it. But if you want to walk in power, get, get that. It's about 38 bucks. But get it. Because understanding the Greek makes a world of difference in understanding what's being said. And God, Listen, and here's the thing. God does both. He, he takes care of both. Paul prays for the Lord to lead his saints into this greater assurance that God's in love with them. He says, listen, I'm praying that you get the assurance, young Christians, 
Now, I'm talking to a lot of, let me use the word old, veteran Christians. Old could be a little veteran Christians. And some of us still need that assurance that God's in love with us. We still need it. Why is that? Because we know us. You know yourself better. Than you, only God knows you better than you know you. And so since you know God knows you and you know yourself, there's a lot of times our assurance wanes a little bit that God really is in love with us. Uh, understand this. Can, can I have everybody's attention? It's not that God loves you. It's that God's in love with you. I love ice cream, but I'm not in love with it. I love to fish, but I'm not in love with it. There's nothing better, and I can't, you know, pulling a fish out and not smelling it and putting it in the... Some people, ooh, what stinks? No, it doesn't. This is great. But I'm not in love with it. I just love it. I love doing it. But you know what? I'm in love with my Jesus, and he's in love with me. For he, he you know, God's so loved. He's in love with you. We call it mercy, but it's actually God's forgiving love. We call it grace, but it's God's undeserving love. We call it joy, but it's God's encouraging love. We call it suffering, but it's God's perfecting love. We call it providence, but it's God's caring love. We call it the cross, but it's actually God's proven love. We call it eternity. It's God's never-ending love. With all the things that are surrounding us and surrounding our lives, understand this. All the circumstances, the troubles and the trials and the things that you go through in life, understand that He is steadfast, He is steadfast, He is steadfast and faithful. He is steadfast and faithful. So today, church, I'm just asking you something. Would you pray for me? Would you pray God's Word into my life? I'll pray for you. I'll pray for God's Word into your life. Would you stand with me? I was talking with Terry and Martha, and we were, we were just talking about how, you know, we don't, you don't realize the, the blessings that you have until obviously like things happen this week and then you realize certain blessings. Do you realize what a blessing electricity is? Do you have to have it to live? But what a blessing it is to have it. And so we started just thinking, and, and, and you know, Terry said, you know, as you start recognizing it, what happens is you begin to recognize how it grows and grows. And the more you think about it, the blessings of God grow, and you realize just how blessed you really are. I mean, you guys look very nice today. You came in looking nice, and, you know, you're blessed to have the clothes you have. There are people that froze to death this past week simply because they didn't have the right clothes, and they froze to death. They didn't have the right clothes. You realize how blessed we are? Do you realize that God really is in love with you? He doesn't just love you. He's in love with you. I can tell you, now some of you go, that's infatuation, but listen, there's a thing inside of us, it's called a knower. This, this is not, this is Pastor Don, okay, y'all? This is not, I'm not saying this is Bible. There's something inside of us that's a knower. 
There are some things that you run into and you know. You ever had that experience? You know when, when it came into your life. You knew when this happened. You knew. You just knew it was going to happen. There's certain things that happen in our life. And I can remember. I'm going to embarrass her. But she's grown used to it, I hope. <laughs> I remember the very night I first saw my wife. She wasn't my wife. But I remember in my knower, and I said to myself, I'm going to marry her. Now, it took me a few years to work on it. But something in my knower said to me, and you know what, I, you know what, you know what your knower is? That's God's intervention. You see, I wasn't living for God at the time. She wasn't living for God at the time. But, but God put something in us because we're all made after His image and His likeness. There's something He puts in us that there's a point and a place about a knower that you know this is right. You know. She actually gave me her phone number that night. <laughs> and I thought it was a fake number. <laughs> That's what women do. <laughs> they get you off their back and get you away. Hey, I'll give you my phone number. 55577. They see it on the side of a board or something. Just give you. So it was a month later before I ever called her. And you know what her first question was? She didn't know that I remember all this. Her first question was, why haven't you called me? I gave you my number. So how do you answer that? From there built a relationship that's lasted, you know, it's going to be 39 years in May. I mean, have we had our ups and downs, our trials and troubles, our tribulations and struggles? Absolutely. But you know what? I knew in my knower because my knower came from God. And today I'm telling you, listen to your knower this morning. Listen to your knower, what, what pastors preach this morning. Understanding your knower. There's some things you've heard today, maybe you've not heard them before. Or maybe you've never understood them that way before. Is that because Pastor Don is so brilliant? No. That's because God is in your knower and He's, he's showing you something. Church prayer prayer our church 2021 is going to be about praying the word man watch what happens one man prayed god's word and took down an entire society one one man can you imagine what would happen if the church of god started praying the word Man, the power that's in that. If His Word doesn't return void, do you kind of hear it and you know we're right now? Do you kind of hear it? You know, you know what? I've prayed all my life. I, you know, I've always been, a, I've always prayed. But you know what God's calling us to? Prayer. Conversation. Depth. There's a depth that we need to reach as a church in prayer. That doesn't mean we come and recite the Lord's Prayer because Jesus gave us a model. He said, listen, if you want to pray, pray in this manner or in this model. Don't repeat this prayer. He didn't say repeat this. He said, here's a model. Our Father, the first rattle out of the box, understand He is our Creator. That's what the word Father in Scripture means, Creator. 
Abraham begat Isaac. Abraham was his... How, come, how was Abraham his father? Because Abraham... Go ahead. It's all right. He was part of the creation of Isaac. He and his wife were part of the creation of Isaac. God was the creator. But understand what father is, the term father. That's why when we read the term father, we, we think in the terms of, I am Audrey's father. That's my daughter. But what we need to turn, when we think of father in Scripture, we need to understand something. He is creator. He's called father in Scripture because he's creator. He's called son in Scripture because he's redeemer. Yeshua means Yahweh or Jehovah is Savior. Not that he made a Savior. Not that He created a Savior. Yeshua, Jesus, means God with us. Emmanuel, go to the Latin. God with us. Understand something here. He created all humanity. He created the earth, the heavens. He created. He's the Father of all the stars. He's the Father of all the planets. He's the Father of all the trees. He's the Father of all the animals. He's the Father of all human beings. But He redeems through Son. And He regenerates through Spirit. That's why when people misinterpret Matthew 28, 19, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Jesus wasn't saying this is the formula. He's saying this is the name. The name. Why is that? <clears throat> Just really quick. If I get my checkbook out and I write out a check and I sign my name father the the lady and the deal's going to go uh i'm sorry sir but that's father's not your name and it's not your signature you may be a father and i am or if i signed son i can't sign my name son i am a son i can't sign an employer employee i can't sign it any i've got to sign my name I'm try, I just want you to understand something. We're going to be praying Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, verse 14 says, became flesh. Who is the Word? Jesus. We're going to be praying some heavy Word this year, y'all. You know why? Our country needs it. Our country needs some need some people that will just pray for them. You know, as, as mad as I am at some of our politicians, I need to get over myself, not over them. See, the problem is not them, it's me. If I'm mad at them, it's not their fault, it's me. Why would I be mad at them? That's my emotion, not theirs. I can either be mad at them, or you know what? I can do one better than that. I can really pray for them. Not only can I pray for them, but I can pray God's... Man, what would happen if you prayed God's Word into Joseph Biden's life? What would happen? He, he needs to succeed in a great way. Biden needs... Well, I'm Republican. I'm Republican. But I can feel you. Listen, he needs to succeed in a great way. If he succeeds in a great way, we succeed in a great way. We need to pray that he succeeds in a great way for us, for America, for the church. Pray for those that have rule over you. 
Prayer and the Word of God are going to be hand in hand this year in this church. And here's the thing. Here's why I know it's going to work, because a lot of you already do it. And God's just bringing the rest of us into and corralling us in. And so I'm just going to open these altars this morning. If, if you're ready to pray God's Word into, the, into your life first, into your family's life, into your neighbor's life, into those you work with's life, and those that have rule over his life, if you're ready to pray that Word into their life and watch what God does, because here's what happened in Job. When Job prayed for them, he got restored. You, go, you want to get restored today? You, you want to get restored? Man, I lost a lot when he lost the election and this one won the election. Yes, you probably did. You want to get it restored? Pray God's Word into that and watch God restore it into your life. Man, we miss a lot of Scripture over simple things. Lord Jesus, God, we're here again today having a conversation with You. Thank You, Lord, that that prayer is a conversation, that we can talk to you like you're our friend and you talk to us like you're our friend because you said we're no longer servants, but we're your friends. So thank you, Lord, that you allow us to talk to you, the God of glory, the creator of all things, the redeemer of our souls, the regenerator of our spirits. You allow us to have this conversation this morning. Thank you. And Lord, so we just ask for your help, the dynamic of prayer in our lives. And I know, Lord, that this is a praying people. But God, take us into a very deep prayer this year that doesn't just happen at Tabernacle of Praise at an altar on a Sunday, but every day, every morning, every evening, every, every noontime, Lord, when we have opportunity, we, we seize the opportunity, the moment. Maybe it's five minutes in the car. Maybe it's as I'm walking through the store. Maybe it's as I'm mowing the grass. Whatever it is, God, that you would implant into my mind, it's my opportunity to pray your word into someone's life. God, help me to not pray for me. God, help me to not pray for Don. I spend too much time praying for me in my situation. God, help me as the pastor to pray for others, to pray for the church people, for those that are outside of the church. There are lost people all around this church, Lord. God, let me begin to pray for their need. They, they need you. Just like you found us, they need to be found. And God, I, I just ask you to help me to pray with a sincere and a, a, a vigilant and, and, and a powerful prayer. God, to pray your word. God, I can only pray your word as I'm in it. So, God, let, let me be deeper in your word that I can pray that word into people's lives. God, today I, I pray the, the blessing of God into every person that's in this building this morning. Your blessings are manifold and your scripture tells us that you bless your people, that you love us and you care for us, you, that you want to provide. It's your great joy to provide for us. And so I, I pray that word into every person that's in this building this morning. And so God as a people, help us to begin to pray and pray with a fervency, pray with a power, pray with a word. God, help me to allow the Holy Ghost to minister not only into my life, but make me the conduit. Just as Steve spoke many years ago, I've never forgotten this, God. Steve spoke it to us in a prayer meeting to just be the conduit of your spirit, of your work, of your word. Lord, make me the conduit. Make our church the conduit of your power and your spirit and your word. God, we know that in the last days that revival will happen. Just as there's a falling away, there are those that will be awakened for you. Let us be awakened in prayer and word.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just speak to the Lord a little bit. Just speak to the Lord a little bit. Just, just talk to Him. He's, he's your friend. Just talk to Him. In Jesus' name. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.